thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. So good to see you and be with you this morning. Uh, to be back, we were gone uh, all of last week. Uh, and it was good to be away and kind of unplug and and I'm not going to say rest because we went to Disney. There was very little resting involved. On Monday, I took 17,000 plus steps, but I did that pushing um, a double stroller and wearing a backpack most of the time. So uh, I convinced Collins we'd give her some good Samaritan points for last leaders if she'd carry the backpack or push the stroller. And she did a little bit, so I'm not sure how well that motivation worked, but uh, it was we had we had a great time just being away as a family, but as always, it is it is good to be home and good to be back and good to see all of your smiling faces this morning. Are you smiling this morning? Let me see you smile. Let me see you smile. Come on, everybody, smile. Looking around, it is good to see your smiling faces. If you have your Bibles, hold them up. If you have your Bibles, hold them up and turn them to the book of First Thessalonians and the third chapter. First Thessalonians. And the third chapter, as I was uh, driving um, over the past week, I got a lot of windshield time and, and listened to a lot of different things. I, I, I listened to some things and contemplated some questions and, and thinking about coming into today's lesson, what this particular passage that we're going to look at kind of teaches us and calls us to be. And, and, and I thought about this question because... A couple of weeks ago, a couple of Sunday nights ago at our round table, and we're going to do that again tonight, so please come back and we'll dive even deeper into this passage that we are studying today. Uh, but we talked about the idea of identity. What type of church are we? When people look at us and see us, what do they know us as? What is our reputation? And, and I was thinking about these two kind of questions as, as I was driving because I think these questions are questions that a lot of churches ask themselves. And, and as they're trying to figure out their identities, they're trying to figure out if, if they want to grow, how they're going to grow and in what direction. So the first question, I, the first thing I thought of is, are we going to be a grace-centered church? And when I thought about that, I meant, I thought about that idea in the way of, are we going to be a type of church that tells people, hey, just come as you are. It doesn't matter what you're dealing with. It doesn't matter what kind of problems you're having. It doesn't matter what your life situation is. We just accept anybody and we accept everybody. We just want you to come and be a part of the family. And our, and our teaching is going to focus a lot on, on the love of Jesus and the love of God and how, how He accepts those that just come to Him. And, and, and there's not going to be a lot of challenge to that. There's just going to be a lot of, hey, just come and be a part. Just be part of this loving family. You know, that, that's, one, that's one direction that we could go. And, and some churches go that direction and some churches don't. Some churches go this other direction and say, we're going to be a church of doctrine and truth. And we're going to really focus on kind of becoming wordsmiths of Scripture. We're going to be more concerned about phrases of like biblical worship than we are on things like the Holy Spirit and how does He interact in our life. We're going to teach unity through conformity, meaning if we can take the Bible and all understand it the same way, then we're going to have unity amongst believers. Um, we're, we're more focused on maybe winning debates, even if it means that we lose a soul. Uh, and so we, we ask ourselves, you know, what kind of a church are we going to be? What does, what, what, what does our calling call us to be? More importantly, what kind of church does Jesus call us to be? And that's really where I got to thinking on our trip because 
the dangerous part of this question, the dangerous part of this question is not, are we going to be the first type of church or the second type of church? But it's one particular word in the first part. What type of church are, what's the next word? We. Putting the focus on who? Ourselves. What type of a church do I want to be? What type of a church do we want to create? What should that question be? What type of church does God want us to be? Is there a difference in those two questions? Because if we just focus on what we want, okay, if we just focus on what we want, what type of a church are we going to be? We're going to be a church that meets our needs. We may not meet the needs of the community. We may not meet the needs of the lost, but if you're a part of this family and you're here, we're going to make sure that you're taking... It kind of becomes more of that social club kind of idea of of we are going to make it what we want it and do the things that we want to do. But the question I really started thinking about as I was reading through um, and listening through 1 Thessalonians uh, over, over the trip, I kept asking myself the question, what type of church does God call us to be? Because that's the, the idea here of, of my identity. That, that's really what we're talking about. So we've come out again. We've come out of this conversation over the first quarter of the year talking about Jesus and talking about the things that he did, talking about the things that he taught. And then how do we take that and translate that from Jesus to my life as a Christian and to the broader sense of my involvement in the direction of the church? What is my identity and what is he calling us to be? So we go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And I want you to start with me in verse 12. Even though it's on the screen, I want you to read it in your Bible if you have it. He says, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as ours does for you. May He strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all His holy ones. Okay. If you've got your Bibles open and you like to write in your Bibles, there's a couple of things I want you to underline here. Okay, the first thing is this. Underline, may the Lord make now your love increase. And circle the word love. Circle the word love. And then in verse 13, may He strengthen your hearts so that you will be, and then underline, blameless and holy and circle the word holy. When I think about what God has called us to be, and I'm reading through this letter to the Thessalonian church, and I'm trying to figure out what, what is God calling us to, I, I, these two words jump out. He's looking for us to be a church that is full of love and a church that is full of holiness. A church that is full of love and a church that is full of holiness. So if you go back to, to this question of what type of church does God want us to be, uh, the, the, the two things, that does He want us to be a grace-centered church or does He want us to be a doctrine and truth-centered church? The answer to both of those questions is what? Yes. Yes. The challenge is making sure we don't necessarily go to the extremes of either spectrum, but rather we find a balance. That we are a church that is full of love, that our love is overflowing and our love is increasing. And tonight, if you come back tonight, we're going to talk about the practice of some of these things. We're going to talk about kind of the theory, if you will, a little bit this morning. 
<coughs> but how do we practice balance? How do we live a, a life as a church family to where we do have this openness that says, hey, look, you know what? I don't care where you are in your life. I don't care what challenges you have. I don't care what struggles you're facing. Come and be a part of this family. Come and come and 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 live and be loved. I was talking to I was talking to a guy the other day, and um, he said that he had not stepped foot in a church building in the last two years. He said because the last time he was there, he felt no love, and 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 where 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 he was going at the moment was was irrelevant to the, to the conversation. But he said, I felt no love because he was dealing with some certain things in his life and in his family dynamic, and there was nothing but judgmentalness given towards him in that moment instead of love and acceptance of saying, hey, you're dealing with some things. We're going to love you through it. We're going to address them. We're going to work through them. And, and, and there may be some accountability there, but we're going to do it in a way that shows love and mercy and grace, especially to someone who he was trying to find a church home. He was trying to just go somewhere. He had been going to this place for a very short amount of time, just trying to find a place to belong. We need to be a place that when those type of people walk into our doors, they go, hey, this is a place full of love, grace, mercy, and acceptance. But then the next step of that, the balance of that is, is we have to be a holy group of people as well. We, have, we were talking in class this morning about this being the light of the world and the salt of the earth, and we talked about this idea that when we do decide to follow Jesus, when we do decide to have our sins washed away in baptism and make that commitment and receive that salvation, when we sign up for it, there is a standard in which we have to live. And that standard is laid out for us in, in the Word of God and the truth. We have to work toward that standard of holiness. So, so how do we find the balance in being not just one extreme or the other, but being a holy but also loving and accepting church? So let's talk about a couple of these things and, and, and kind of try to make sense of it. All right. Um, I should have used different colors. So how do we practice balance? Well, the first thing I want us to talk about is this idea of love, grace, and acceptance. And, and this is supposed to be an arrow, a big arrow with love, grace, and acceptance. You can see it better on this screen than this screen. But, but this is something that I listened to and thought about a lot this week, that the way you practice, the way you practice this idea of being a loving church is when someone is walking toward Christ. Okay? When someone is walking toward Christ and they've got Him in their forefront and they're saying, this is the direction in which I'm walking, especially especially if they're not a child of God. Okay, They're not a child of God yet and they're trying to work to that process or, or they're a young Christian and, and they're trying to learn these basic concepts. When they are walking toward God and that is the direction in which they're going, we need to deal with them in a way of love, grace, and acceptance. Love, grace, and acceptance. So one of the things that I thought about, and I wish that I had brought some with me, but I just, I just forgot this morning. You know, I always, I don't know why, but I always like to talk about chocolate chip cookie addictions. Anybody have a chocolate chip cookie addiction? A couple of you. Okay, so Sam's got a chocolate chip cookie addiction. 
And um, that's not a good thing always, is it, sin? Not always a good thing. But let's, let's, say, let's say Brother Williams here, he's, he's, he's not a child of God, and he's coming and he's with us for the first time. And I mean, that first day he walks in the door and he brings himself and 10 bags of chocolate chip cookies. Like he's bringing the baggage with him, right? Bringing the baggage with him. You know what's easy to do? It's easy to look at, uh, at sin and go, Whew, I don't have that problem. Or doesn't he know he can't bring that in here? Doesn't, doesn't he know that? It's easy to think, okay, I'm where I am in my faith and in my walk, and when you walk in the door, you should be in the same place. It's easy to think that. It's easy to think that. It's kind of like with, with our kids. All right, I've got four kids. They're spread out over 11 years, 10 years, okay? They're spread out over that period of time. Um, there are times that Collins looks at me and says, why do I have to do this but Vance doesn't, or Britain doesn't, okay? Why do, why do I have this responsibility, but they don't have that responsibility? What's the answer as a parent? It's because she's what? She's older. She's able. She's capable of doing more things and different things than the other ones are. I don't expect as much out of Britain as I do out of Vance, and I don't expect as much out of Vance as I do out of Collins. And it's the same thing as we think about this idea of, of people coming to Christ. Some people, I heard a guy one time call on pre-Christians, and we're trying to get them to that place, new Christians and young Christians. But they're all at a different phase in their walk and in their life. And we don't need to look at them and just expect mature Christians the moment they become a child of God. Because here's what happens in those moments. So sin has this chocolate chip cookie addiction and he comes and he says, you know what? I'm going to come. I'm going to be part of this family. I'm going to become a Christian and I'm going to do my best to start laying my chocolate chip addiction, cookie addiction aside. And I'm going to, I'm going to start putting them back and I'm going to start not bringing them with me everywhere I go. But you know what? Sin, not sin, but S-I-N, our sin is comfortable. We're comfortable with our sin a lot of times. You know, my mother-in-law asked me once, twice, 500 times, what are you preaching on this morning? Sin, are you for it or against it? And I got tired of hearing her ask me that question every time we were together. So you know what I finally said? I'm for mine, but I'm against yours. How true is that statement? How true is that statement? I don't like your chocolate chip cookie addiction, but my sugar cookie addiction's okay. You need to deal with your stuff, but leave my stuff alone. We're comfortable with our, with our own challenges. We're comfortable in that worldly lifestyle sometimes. So what we ha- where, where love, grace, and mercy comes in and acceptance comes in with not with with not yet Christians, new Christians, and young Christians, is understanding that Mr. Williams, there are going to be times in his infancy as he's growing and learning that he may reach back out and grab that bag of chocolate chip cookies and bring them right back in the building with him. Bringing that baggage right back with him. But where is his focus? What is he really looking forward to? Where is he trying to get to? He is pointing his life to Christ. So when he does make that, have that moment of weakness and goes back to that which is so comfortable instead of that which is new and challenging and even though salvation is great and wonderful and there's blessings involved, it's easy to go back to that which is comfortable as long as his overall direction is still toward Christ. What do we do? We love him and we help him 
and we encourage him and we say, even though you're still struggling with this, you're still a part of this family. We're still going to keep you and help you move in this direction and, and, and push you and teach you and train you to get you to a point to where that temptation and that sin is no longer there. But we love them and teach them in a loving way and in a grace-filled way to get to that place. And that makes me think of the question is, is, do we truly understand love? I think that's the interesting kind of thing in this whole conversation is do we truly understand love? Um, Nathan, what is love? Do you remember? What did I say two weeks ago? You asked me, what was that saying? Love is a feeling that you feel when you feel a feeling that you've never felt before. You with me? Love is a feeling that you feel when you feel a feeling that you've never felt before. And also, Job said it could be indigestion as well. What if I told you that love wasn't necessarily a feeling, but a decision? Do you believe that? Hollywood makes love look so romantic, doesn't it? Guys, Hollywood has done us very few favors in the realm of love and romance. We look pitiful compared to some of these. Lifetime will make you look like the worst husband in the world, especially at Christmas. Especially at Christmas. You're supposed to be able to work miracles at Christmas, but you can't do that. Love is not just this feeling. Love is not just an emotion. Love is a decision. Well, Matthew, how do you know that? Well, Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gifts of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Then he goes on, he says, love is, love is, it does not, it does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never, say it again, love never fails. Go back and look at these things. Are any of these things feelings and emotions? No, they're not. Being patient. How many of you, if you're going to be patient, you have to make up your mind, I'm going to be patient. That is a decision. Being kind is a decision. Not envying is a decision. Not boasting, not being proud. These are decisions. These are actions. The word agape is the word that is used love in this text and in our First Thessalonians text here this morning. And the idea behind agape means moving toward the same thing. It means I'm in a relationship and I'm in this relationship and we're moving in the same direction toward the same thing. It is a decision. Blair and I in our marriage, we are in a relationship and we have made the decision to love each other and move in the same direction with each other toward God. That is agape love, moving in the same direction, having the same focus, and that is a decision. So I think maybe to understand this idea of what it means to love and accept, 
love and acceptance in, in this idea of, of becoming a loving church isn't just about letting anything go on. I'm just going to love you and go on. No, it is, it, is, it is a decision that we're going to bring people in and help them move in a direction toward God. But in that process, we're going to be patient with them. We're going to be kind with them. We're not going to dishonor them. We're not going to try to anger them. We're not going to keep records of their, of their wrong. We're not going to delight in evil, okay? We're going to rejoice in truth, but we're going to protect each other. We're going to trust each other. We're going to hope for the best with each other. We're always going to persevere forward with each other. We're going to do our best to never fail each other. And that's what that looks like moving forward as a church that practices love, grace, and acceptance as people come in and want to be part of our family. So that's step one. But the next part of that, um, okay, the next part of that is what is holiness? What is holiness? Now, I'm going to tell you what holiness is not this morning. And you've heard me say this, and you've heard me talk about this, because it's something that I think is important for us to understand. Holiness is not perfection. Say that with me. Holiness is not... Say it one more time. Holiness is not... Why is that important to understand? Because you will never be perfect. God says, be holy like I'm holy. Be holy as I'm holy. Paul says in our text, to be blameless and holy. Is, is, is he saying to be perfect? <coughs> no, not at all. Because that's not obtainable. So God's not going to call us to do something that we cannot do. What does holy mean? Holy means to be set apart for a specific purpose. It means to take us out of the world Okay, take us out of the world and set us apart from the world so that we can serve God, so that we can bring honor and glory to God, so that we can show others the greatness of God. Okay, so that is, that is what we're trying to do. And with that comes a standard of living. With that comes a standard of living. Now, let's back up to this verse. I got my stuff out of order this morning. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, we see only a reflection is in the mirror. Let's just stop right there. What, what is he talking about here? He's talking about growth. Okay? He's talking about growth. We all become Christians at different points in our life. Okay? Um, uh, just think about it for a moment. What is your Christian age this morning? Your Christian age is different than your physical age, right? So your, your, your age as a Christian, I was uh, baptized in February of 94. February of 94. So 94, 2004, 2014, that makes me, what, 20, uh, 29, 28 years old as a Christian. I'm a 28-year-old Christian. Is that right? Did I do that math right? If not, it's in the right ballpark. I'm a preacher, not a math teacher. Um, some, of yours is, some of you are older than me in age, but maybe younger than me in your Christian age. Okay? But what does he say here? This, this, this journey is about growth. 
And there comes a point in time where sin's chocolate chip cookie addiction has to be put away. And he has to commit to a life of holiness and live above that addiction or that challenge or that sin that he has in his own life. And so how do we practice this as a church? How how do we balance this out? Well, we need to be about love, grace, and acceptance as people are walking toward Christ. But once you have lived in this body and in this salvation relationship, once sin has put that the addiction of his chocolate chip cookie love aside and he's lived away from that and that's no longer, he's not living in bondage to that anymore and he's lived his life. What if one day he wakes up and he says, man, that, that's, that's missing in my life. I still need that. And he walks back over there and he picks it up. And he walks back through the doors with it on that Sunday morning. And he's like, I'm here, but I, I, I've got this again. How do we handle that? I believe there's a difference. There still has to be love. There still has to be grace. Because without those, there is no forgiveness. But there also has to be a reminder of holiness. There has to be that teaching. There has to be an understanding of that doctrine of where we say, hey, Mr. Williams, you have to live above this. You've let this go. Now you're turning away and walking away from God. And this is a hard thing to practice. This is a hard thing to practice because, number one, it feels judgmental. It feels judgmental. How many of you like people telling you what to do? Anybody? Anybody like people telling you what to do and how to live your life and how to, how to manage your own business? No, none of us like that. How many of you like the feeling of, of, of someone's judging me? How many of you like to be judged? How many of you like to be accused of judging other people? None of us do. This part is hard because it is so personal. And if it's not handled in the right way, it can push people away instead of bringing people back. But it's so important. Uh, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12 says, In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, he said there's a time in your life that you should grow and you should be at a certain place and you should love in a certain way and you should, you, you should, you sh- he said, you should be teachers by now. But he said, a lot of you, you're still babes. He said, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. But he says, you should be growing in this positive, po- po- positive way towards holiness. Hebrews 12, verse 1 says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. What is this about? It's about getting rid of these things and living this holy life. Now, once we're, now once we're in that direction and we're living that holy life, when we turn it around and we start walking the other way, that's when we have to deal with it in, 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 in a reminder of holiness and saying, hey, here's the Word of God and this is what you're supposed to be about. One instance that we read about in Scripture comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And it's an interesting conversation that Paul has with the church at Corinth. He says, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of the kind that even pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife and you are proud. So what have they done? They've gone, they're in this, they're in this place where sin has entered their church and not just the, the, the act of sin itself, 
He's saying, but as a church, you have turned away from God and you're walking in a different direction. And he says, not only are you doing that, he says, you're proud of it. He said, but there's a way you should deal with this. He said, shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? For my part, even though I'm not physically present, I'm with you in spirit. As one who is present with you in this way, I have already passed judgment in the name of our Lord on the one who has been doing this, so that when you are assembled and I am with you in spirit and the power of the Lord is present, hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. He's saying, look, you guys should know better. You need to move in a different direction. I'm reminding you, I may be, some of us may look at that and go, that's harsh. But there comes a time where you have to say, hey, look, this is what the Word of God says. You know this. You've moved past that point of being a young babe in Christ. You're a 30-year-old Christian who is mature and, and, and is studied and understands this stuff. And, and even though those temptations may still be there, you have the tools to overcome those things and to move past those things and they don't need to come back into you, your life and be an everyday part of your life where that becomes the focus again. And if that does happen, we're going to have to deal with it. And we're going to have to talk about it and have some loving yet hard conversations. But it's also framed this way. And let us consider one of my favorite passages in Hebrews, how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And I think it's important to remember this of what we're spurring on to. We're spurring people toward what? Love. To back into that relationship, back into that place with God. But what's the idea of a spur? Does a spur feel good? No. A spur is there to get your attention, to put you back in the direction in which you need to go. And that's the direction of holiness. So we need to be a balanced church. We need to be a church that practices love, that practices grace, that practices acceptance. Listen, there is nobody that cannot walk into these doors. Do you agree with that? There's nobody that can't walk in these doors. There is no life that is too messy for us to help them work through in light of God, in the presence of God. There's no sin that we can't help someone overcome. There's no lifestyle that we can't help someone put back into the place to where it needs to be if they want to make that commitment to Christ, have their sins washed away in baptism, and live as a child of God. On the flip side of that, as mature Christians, we don't need to be doing anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. We don't need to be living and still holding on to some of these things that maybe were part of our old life, we should have put those things away. We need to be striving for holiness, for purity, for blamelessness in front of God. And in those moments, if the hard conversations have to be had, we have those, but we do those with the understanding of we're pushing those people toward love. Love in a relationship with God. But there has to be a balance. We have to be a church that finds balance 
in those things. I want to encourage you to come back tonight as we talk about kind of the practical side of some of these things, uh, what, what overflowing in love looks like and, and what real holiness kind of looks like in our, in our walk. It'll be a good conversation. So be back tonight at six o'clock in the fellowship hall for that. Let's, let's close our thoughts with a word of prayer this morning. God, we're so grateful to be here and to be in your presence. We thank you for each and every person that's here with us in person. Those that are joining us virtually this morning that are maybe not physically with us, but as Paul said, are with us in spirit. We're so grateful for everybody being engaged in your spirit this morning. God, growth is not always an easy thing. Growth presents challenges, presents new situations. And help us, God, to approach each and every one of those moments in a balanced way. In a way that ultimately shows you above everything else that keeps you and puts you in the focus of every decision that's made. Help us to find a heart of love and acceptance. Some of us may struggle with that this morning, God. Help us to be a loving people, but also help us be a holy people that strive for holiness every single day of our lives and hold each other accountable with that holiness in the most appropriate way possible. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his sacrifice. We thank you for his life. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community. Yeah.